The greatest joy to me now is when a student calls or emails and says, hey, I just got the job. What's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on this show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just end up being stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. All right, and joining us on the show today, he's the assistant professor of practice at Rutgers University, also leading expert on Generation Z, Mark Beal. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Darren, thank you for having me. I love to uh, love to join you and talk about leadership today. Fantastic. And, and you're calling in from where again? So I'm based in Tom's River, New Jersey, which is at the Jersey Shore, and I'm about a 50-minute drive from Rutgers University, where uh, during the semester I'm, I'm on campus three or four days a week. All right. Well, to kick things off, Mark, could you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. I'll make it, I'll make it short so we don't spend too much time. But I actually grew up at the United States Military Academy at West Point. My dad was a colonel, uh, and he was one of the leaders in the uh, admissions office. So if you wanted to get into West Point, you had to go through my dad and, and some of the other folks there. So starting at the age of four, I lived at West Point, and my grammar school years, my elementary school years were at West Point. So I, that was a great foundation for me as far as growing up there. I mean, literally growing up on the academy. I mean, I, I remember back in the 70s, you know, uh, having Coach K at my house. My dad was very involved with the basketball team, having this young Coach K that a lot of people who didn't know about was at my house for lunch or breakfast or whatever meeting with my dad. So tremendous place to grow up. Uh, my dad then became the dean of the United States Military Academy Preparatory School at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. So made the uh, move to the Jersey Shore, where he was there for 15 years. I, I actually attended there from 1984 to 1985, and then went on to Rutgers University. And so, you know, my focus, my passion at the time was media. I loved media. I couldn't get enough of media, whether that was a newspaper, radio, television, whatever it might have been. And so that was really my focus as I went into Rutgers University and uh, majored in journalism. And kind of a, a fun question to kind of want to start off with is if you could think back early, early, Mark, what's the first formal leadership position that you were in? Yeah, I, I tell, I've told this story a lot lately. I got invited back to my high school where I hadn't been for 38 years. In fact, I skipped high school graduation because I was in the state track and field championships that day. So I hadn't been back. And I told them that as a sophomore. My mom saw an ad in a local weekly newspaper and it said sports editor wanted it. And she said, go apply for that. You love sports. You love media. And I said, yeah, but I'm a sophomore in high school, mom. Not, they're not going to take some kid. Well, I guess I was the only one to apply because not only did they hire me, but I became the sports editor of this. It was either a weekly or monthly newspaper. I can't recall. And so here I am, sophomore, junior, senior year, you know, not writing for the school newspaper, but writing for this paper that was, you know, uh, published and distributed throughout the Jersey Shore, specifically in Belmar, New Jersey. And so that was kind of the start of it as far as, again, more of a leadership role. I was in charge of writing, editing, layout, design, and I reported to, in essence, I guess, the publisher who was probably a 40 or 50-year-old man and who didn't have a lot of changes when I submitted my things, but it was a great role to be in. And again, it just kind of fulfilled that passion for media and also for sports. Didn't think uh, you were going to get the get the gig, but... I didn't know. think I was going to get it. I thought, this is a long shot. I'm going to apply for this. But again, I, I don't think anyone else applied, so they gave it to me. And so if you could compare that mark to the mark of today, what would you highlight are the, the big differences for you as a leader, Mark, from then and now? 
Well, I think the biggest thing then was, again, I had this passion. And it's the first thing I ask on the first day of every course. In fact, we'll start the semester here in a couple of weeks. You know, what is your passion? What is your interest? When I talk to my public relations and marketing students at Rutgers. And so I think it was driving was the passion there, right? Because it was something in media. It was something in sports. That's what I want to get into. So here's this chance to be a, a, a sports editor in the 10th grade. Today, what's driving me is the same passion, but the passion is different. My passion and my purpose now is to give back to this next generation, Generation Z, and help them achieve their career goals. So while I teach in the classroom and I love it, I spend an extraordinary amount of time, seven days a week, helping my students get jobs, get internships, write their resumes, write their cover letters, prepare for job interviews. And again, it's just my way of giving back. It's kind of my purpose now in life. You know, the greatest joy to me now is when a student calls or emails and say, hey, I just got the job. I just got the internship you helped me with. So that's become my purpose. You know, I, I kind of kid and I say for the first 30 years of my career as a marketer, I uh, was part owner of an agency in New York where we were very involved in sports and entertainment. My focus was selfishly profit. How do we make as much money as possible? How do we bring in as much business? And now my focus now and for the next 10, 20, 30 years is really purposeful. It's how do I help this next generation, you know, achieve their career dreams? Purpose. In your work, you say that Gen Z is the generation of purpose, and we'll get there here in a little bit. But we're, we're all kind of looking for our purpose, our purposes in life. Um, and for you early on, like you said, that was sports and media, but it, it shifted. How is it that you found these purposes over the years? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the, the, the current one, to your point, this idea of how do I help the next generation? You know, Rutgers was kind enough to invite me back in 2013 and asked if I teach one course and I said, absolutely. One turned to two, two turned to three. And by 2019, they invited me to become a full-time professor. Um, but as I was teaching, the students would ask me all these questions that I, I, I kind of knew the answers, just things like, how do I get an internship? How do I apply? What do I wear to an interview? What's the difference between a phone interview and in person? How do I treat those different? And it didn't seem like they had the answers. And I said, well, I've got the answers. So I've interviewed thousands of people over the years at my own agency. And I said, you know, all right, there's a need here. There's a need here that I can help, that I can deliver value to this, you know, next generation. And so I just kind of latched on to that. It, it, you know, one of those what I call light bulb moments. It was just one of those things like they're constantly asking and craving this information. I've got the information to give them. So that's funny. The first book I actually authored was in 2017 and the title is 101 Lessons They Never Taught You in College. And it's exactly that. It's 101 one-page lessons that answer every question I get. Even to this day, I get. I get these questions even today in 2023. But it just, you know, there was a need. I saw it. And, and to, you know, kind of the theme of this podcast, kind of took leadership of that. And I could have easily said, oh, well, they can find the answer somewhere else, right? Could have easily said that. I could have said, this is not my problem. But instead, I, I kind of took control of it and said, no, we're going to lead, take the charge on this. We're going to take the lead on this, help all of these students. Little would I know that a dozen students would turn into 100, 100 would turn into thousands, and here we are in 2023 still doing the same thing. And the nice thing for me is it's expanded well beyond my university. So just on Saturday, I had a one-hour discussion with a University of Indiana student who heard about me and said, can you help me? And of course, I could easily have said no, but instead, my purpose is to help. So I spent an hour plus, I think 90 minutes on Zoom and then spent time with her resume. And now we'll make connections within my network with leaders in marketing and public relations and advertising to help her get her first job when she graduates in May. That, that's awesome. That, that purpose has led you. And did you did you think that you were going to have this nationwide impact when you, you started all this? 
No, I really didn't. And that was and that wasn't like you said, it was really to help, you know, one student that turned to two, two turned to four, four turned to, you know, many more. Um, so it really wasn't. And it wasn't it wasn't about me like it might have been earlier in my career. Where it was about winning the next piece of business and doing this and doing that. It was really about how do I give more of myself, give the the you know the information I have, the wisdom I have, the experience I have. How do I give that back or pay that forward? I guess. And so um, it's great because at the end of the day, like I said, the greatest reward is when one of these students calls and says, "You know, I got it. I won the job. I won the internship. Whatever it might be." I mean, there, there's no greater satisfaction for me than hearing that. Uh, from a student. Um, and the nice thing too is it's been great is I now have students who are, you know, four, five, six years in their career and they call me and say, hey, I'm looking maybe for that next step in my career. Can you help me get there? And so it doesn't just begin and end when they graduate, but it's actually continued on. And so you've you've done years of research on this generation. Uh, could you talk a little bit about you know, what is Gen Z? What are the ages and, and who are these folks? Sure. Yeah, I'll give give just the basics because I think to your point, even today, Darren, a lot of people, in fact, when I start my keynotes, I go through the basics because a lot of folks still, you know, may not know. So very basic. Pew Research Center sets the first birth year as 1997. So your oldest Gen Zers this year are turning 26, which a lot of people, wow, I I thought they were still kids, right? I still thought they were in high school or, uh, or college. So the oldest are 26. It's actually what inspired me a year ago to write Gen Z graduates to adulthood because in 2022, they turned 25. And I thought that's a milestone year, right? They're no longer in high school, just in high school, just in college, but some of them are two, three years into their career. So 96, and I say till about 2012, because actually they haven't set the final year. So if we go with that 15 year window, your oldest Gen Zers again, 25, 26, two, three years into their career, youngest Gen Zers around 11 years old or so. So, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade. And everywhere in between. So the majority are still in school. Um, just the oldest are a year or two or three or four into their career. And uh, as you said earlier, you know, a couple of key pillars for them. One, they are the purpose generation. At least that's what I call them. <laughs> Meaning they're looking to work for companies that have a higher purpose than simply making a profit. They're looking to support brands as customers. Uh, so a brand they'll call out is like Patagonia. They'll say that's a purposeful brand. Uh, two, they are the most diverse and inclusive generation. They wear that as a badge of honor, a badge of pride. They love to be part of organizations, clubs, communities that are truly diverse and inclusive, where I always use what I call the B word, where I feel like I belong there, right? I'm not just a cog in the machine, but I feel like I belong there. Um, So that's another key pillar with this generation. Uh, And as I like to say probably too many times, I think they are transforming the workplace. They're transforming marketing. They're transforming media. They're transforming, uh, you know, uh, channels as we know, content channels. And so there's a lot of things they are doing right now and will continue to do where they're in essence, transforming society. I'm, I'm noticing this myself. I'm a, a big sports fan as well. And noticed that Nickelodeon has taken on some of the NFL, like many other people. I was like, that's kind of weird. We have slime on the, we have slime <laughs> on the screen and this blimp. And then I, I thought more about it. It's like that, that's reaching, you know, that audience that they're trying to get to. So we have to change how we market things and how we communicate for the generations that are rising, like Gen Z. I love that you brought that up because I just I bring that example up all the time because it's a good, it's a, just a great visual example. And there are other examples like that. But your point, you know, the NFL is a good example. They have been around for many years. They are very well known. They don't have an awareness issue. Most people know what the NFL is. But if they're going to engage the next generation of fans. It won't happen just through CBS, NBC, Fox, and ESPN. They've got to broaden their outreach. And so, of course, they're, they have a presence on TikTok. And now they have, as you said, on Nickelodeon and other channels. But they and every other brand, whether sports or non-sports, needs to do the same thing if they want to effectively engage this generation. And so I, I kind of want to know what Gen Z 
thinks about leadership. When, when Gen Z hears the word leader, is there an image or ideas that come to mind for Gen Z that might be different from a, millennium, a millennial generation or a Gen X generation? I think so. I, I always like to say, and this ties into this a little bit, you know, when Gen Z goes to work, they're looking for a mentor, not just a manager. Now, I can say this. I'm a, I always point myself, say I'm an old Gen X, right? Which is, I can say that. When we went to work back in 89, 90, 91, right? In essence, you know, we were managed. We got a list of things to do. And by the end of the day, you reported back and I did this, 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 you know, whatever, right? They want so much more than that from their leaders. Now, the leader could be their immediate supervisor, who was only two or three or four years out of college. It could be their senior manager, who's only five or six or seven years, or it could be right the head of an organization. And what I mean by that is they want to be mentored as well. So don't just give me tasks to complete. Yes, I will do those tasks. And I understand, but help me get to the next level. Help me empower me to take on responsibilities and roles, right? Um, mentor me and, and teach me, um, teach me, you know, how to, again, evolve as a, as a professional, evolve as a person, whatever it might be. And so I always tie that back to the simplest example I can give is when you've got that mentor relationship with leaders, and again, most organizations are structured this way, especially big ones. So you typically have maybe a, a mid-year review and an end-of-year review. Well, if you've got that mentor-type leader, you should be tracking all along the way so there's no surprises at the end of the year review, right? There shouldn't be out of the left field, but you should have done this nine months ago because if they're mentoring you along the way, they're kind of along the way, you're learning these things, you're applying these things, you're changing your approach based on this mentor. But if it's really just a manager relationship that the leaders just really manage you, you know, there will be lots of surprises at the end of the year because they're going to start calling out all these things. Um, and again, it's just a, a kind of a way to bring that difference between mentorship and managing. Uh, and I say, Gen Z tells me often, I would, I'm looking for a mentor, not just a manager. So that's a great, um, great thing to think about for for my generation, the millennials. Was there kind of like a blend from this manager to mentor desire from from an employee? That, that happened in my generation, you think? Yeah, I think so. I always like to say, and again, I, I never, when it comes to millennials, what I say is millennials ushered a lot of these things in. I really do believe this. And I think Gen Z just kind of expedited them. So even things like um, work-life balance, which we're still talking about today because we never, we haven't you know, struck it right yet. I think it was millennials who kind of brought that to the fold, brought that in, right? And, and I say this about Gen Z. I say, you know, Gen Z, two things. One, they work smarter, not harder. My generation, Gen X, we worked harder, maybe not smarter. So we took pride in working 15, 16, 17 hours a day. That's not Gen Z. And two, I talk about that uh, my generation, Gen X, we lived to work, which we actually lived to go to work. Well, Gen Z and millennials, they work to live. They go to work so they can actually then enjoy life, enjoy experiences, all these things. And so I think, again, I think millennials ushered this or introduced a lot of these concepts. I think Gen Z is just kind of really brought them to, to bear um, even more so. But I think millennials ushered in a lot of these things. This generation, what, what are their fears about leadership or, or being in the leadership role that might be different from a different generation's past? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I had this similar question asked to me by a reporter from Fast Company three days ago. I think some Gen Zers, I've heard it directly from them when they return to my classes. So each semester, I bring back former students into my classroom who were sitting in the same chairs as my students now a year or two or three or four or five ago, right? So that current students can say, wow, he did it, she did it, I can do it too, right? Because current students, I do think, have a lot of pressure, anxiety, you know, about how am I going to make the transition from college to career? And so I think those former students who come in are proof points because now they are in positions at agencies and companies and brands. Um, but when I hear the former students come in, some will talk about imposter syndrome and the idea that, you know what, 
yeah, I know I got the job. I won the job. I earned the job. But I don't know. Can I can I deliver what they're asking me? Right. Am I am I equipped to be in this role? Am I? And for those students who have brought that up, meaning former students, then they say, you know, what? but a week in, two weeks in, three weeks in, you know, I settle in, I learn, I learn from others and all those kinds of things. So I think at least initially there's that a little bit of that, we'll call it that anxiety or that that concern, like, well, maybe I'm just not built for this role, right? Even though it's the maybe the entry level role at a, a company. Um, so I think we have a little bit of that. But what I tell students, former students who are now in the field working, try to identify what I call a peer-to-peer mentor. So don't just sit back and wait for them to maybe assign you a mentor, which they might. But find someone who was like two, three, four years ahead of you at your company. You may not even work with them, but they've just gone through everything that you're about to go through. You know, what are lessons learned? What are things that they uh, maybe failed at and, and learned from that? So I really encourage that with all of my, uh, my former students as they start their careers. I say, try to identify that mentor who's just a couple of years ahead of you. And hopefully they'll take on the role of mentor, but more importantly, They'll, um, you know, they'll advise you, they'll provide you insights, they'll provide you lessons learned that will help you kind of evolve in your profession. Because um, again, they were just there. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a mentor who's 20, 30 years older, nothing wrong with that at all. But someone who's maybe four or five years, just, you know, senior to you, boy, they can offer you so many insights as you launch your career, as you start your career, as you get into this brand new role, which again, it is a brand new role. You just spent the past, you know, 12 plus years in school, and now all of a sudden you're in this corporate setting. Yeah. Yeah. That can be super daunting. And that imposter syndrome is a very real thing to shift into a big theme of this show. And a big theme of Leaderly is the idea that anyone can learn to lead. And so you've been able to talk to these Gen Zers across the country and, and folks throughout your career and life. Do you believe that anyone can learn to lead? They have what it takes to lead, even though they might not think initially. Yeah. Great question. Tremendous question. First of all, yes, I do. I teach a summer course at Rutgers uh, that's called Public Relations Management. And unlike the courses I teach in the fall and the spring where we really dive into campaigns, this is about how do you transition from a junior level employee to a leader, to a manager. And I've seen it throughout my career. A lot of professionals have been really good at task-oriented type roles. You know, give me this, I'll do it better than anybody else. And then as they grow and mature and age, they then get kind of this, this, there's no specific moment. It might be a promotion of some sort, but they now are transitioned from this task oriented to I'm now supervising, I'm now managing. And that could be just four or five years into the career. And some transition very well and some have a, a challenge with it. So in my summer course, I really teach, I, I go through this a lot is the idea that all of us have the ability to lead and lead effectively. But we've got a there's a mindset, right? We've got to we've got to transition from kind of I'm the doer to now I'm the leader, or I'm just you know a task oriented professional to I'm now managing people. And so to your point, and I completely agree, all of us can lead, all of us can be effective leaders, but we need it's like a big jump, right? Because you're getting a promotion, a promotion, a promotion, but you're still completing a lot of tasks and being assigned tasks. And all of a sudden they say, hey, by the way, today you are now an account supervisor, an account manager. What do I got to do now? Well, now you manage a team. <laughs> so you're not the one, you know, taking on the task. You're now assigning the task. And that's why, you know, give credit to you and, and you know, leaderly. They don't give you a manual the day that happens. They don't hand you. And here's the book. Here's how you do it. <laughs> no one's telling you that. They just, 
magically they just think because you've got the promotion now you're going to do it but i have seen plenty of folks succeed in that role plenty but i have seen a few that they didn't succeed because they were so with the mindset of again being more of a task oriented than the manager or the leader but we also have to look at the other way you can't just hand someone that role in promotion and say go do it they've never done it they've never so Again, mentorship, management, you know, all those kinds of things, because uh, it doesn't just happen magically. It's, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. There's no book or podcast that will, you know, kind of make or break for you. It's, it's a process and, and we're all learning every day. But with that, Mark, I'll throw it back over to you. Do you have any closing thoughts as we as we wrap up? Yeah, well, first of all, Dan, I appreciate this. Was a great conversation. You know, usually a question I'll get on, on leadership is just something like, hey, what's one word you would describe, you know, an effective leader? In fact, I have taught leadership courses at Rutgers and the word I always use is transformative. And just about three or four days ago, there was an article written by a former USA Today journalist who I know really well. And I don't know if she used the word transformative in there, but it's the idea that in this time, especially in 2023, so in 23, we still, organizations, you've got an incredible mix of potentially boomers, Xers, millennials, Gen Zers at a corporation, whether it's a small business, large company, right? So that's an interesting dynamic. Two, we still are hybrid, virtual, remote, in-person a little bit, That right? It's not like, and I can say this because uh, I'm much older than you. It's not like when I graduated college, you, know, you reported to work every day. You were there by 8.30. You worked until, I don't know, 5.36, whatever time it was. But there was a system. Now, even leaders are having trouble transforming during this time. Well, we're kind of in a day or two. We're not in a day or two. We're not face-to-face, -face, you know, all those kinds of things. So I always go back to that word transformative with the idea of, transforming and innovating with the times, never being, you know, settled for just the status quo. We've always done it this way, so let's keep doing this way. You know, transforming as it relates to this new generation of, of employees, Gen Z, right? And, and all they can bring to the table. Um, there was a great quote from one of our one of our classmates at the West Point Prep School back in 8045, Patrice Sutherland. She just put this on LinkedIn yesterday, yesterday. And I actually, I loved it so much, I actually put it in my new book, which is going to come out in two months, called ZEO, introducing Gen Z, the new generation of leaders. And I put in the last chapter and she writes here, they are hiding in plain sight. Look for them and help them grow. And she, by the way, posted that with an article from Leaderly. They're hiding in plain sight, look for them and help them grow. That is in essence, the whole theme of this new book I'm coming out with called ZEO. It's like leaders are there, they're right there, right? But you as a leader need to take time to mentor, to empower, to help them evolve. They, it's not just gonna happen on their own. All right. Well, thanks so much, Mark. This is Mark Beal, professor at Rutgers University, author of ZEO, coming out later this year. And for those listening, again, thanks for joining us here on the Live Leaderly podcast.